So tonight, we are going to be in Psalms 23. It's actually funny, I opened up my Bible today, and I was looking at Psalms 23, and I kind of had this thought of like, oh man, like, here's this, you know, cliche verse, you know, the one that everybody always, oh, and, um, which I don't know why I think like that, but I do, but as I began to read it, it just really opened up to me, and it was really a blessing to me to just kind of absorb, you know, the words and, and the beauty of this chapter, and, you know, these things are famous for a reason. John 3.16 is famous for a reason. Psalm 23, famous for a reason, right, or, or well-known, I guess is what I mean when I say famous, and so this is a really short chapter. It's only six verses, but it's six verses that we're going to spend some time diving into today. So um, to begin, I'm just going to go ahead and read through Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So the title of tonight's message is The Lord is My Shepherd, right? So everybody say this with me. Say, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And so the question is, are we allowing the Lord to shepherd us tonight? Are we in a place where God is not just a shepherd by title, but where we are allowing him to, to lead us, to guide us, to, to prepare our steps? Because it's interesting to me, David doesn't just say of God that the Lord is a shepherd, or that he's a mighty shepherd, as in it's, it's part of what he is and who he does, but David says, he is my shepherd. And I think that really shows David's heart in the implication of ownership. First of all, that David saw God as his personal shepherd, as the one who was the overseer of his soul, but David was also putting himself as God's sheep. And that's the interesting thing, because, you know, when a shepherd leads a flock, typically that shepherd unless he's an under-shepherd or something, but, you know, the shepherd is the owner of those sheep. Shepherds don't go out and, and shepherd random wild sheep. You know, they don't go out into the field and look for sheep and, you know, lead them around for a while and then say, okay, well, that was fun, and go find other sheep to shepherd. No, the shepherd is the owner of his sheep. And Jesus is our good shepherd, even so much so that Jesus is that good shepherd who laid his life down for his sheep. And by his own power, Jesus took it back up again. And, you know, it's such an amazing thing to celebrate Easter and know that, that Jesus is risen and here with us tonight. And so uh, as we go through the word, as we go through Psalm 23, and we're going to talk about what does it mean to be sheep with a shepherd? 
How does God want to relate to us, and how do we need in turn to relate to God? So again, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So as the owner of the flock, you know, there is some things that God takes upon himself, you know, that as the owner of this flock, as a good shepherd, that God makes it his priority or, or his intention, I would say, to lead us. You know, he's got this flock and, you know, sh- sheep aren't incredibly uh, courageous or, or smart or um, tactful, <laughs> by any means. And so it's the shepherd's job to take his sheep and to bring them together, right? To keep them together. It's the shepherd's job to um, protect them and and to to have this intentional care. And it's kind of a 24-7 deal. And so God comes to us as that good shepherd, as one who teaches us to know his voice. As a shepherd who is intentional to lead us, to defend us from our enemies, and to provide for all of our needs. You know, um, we're going to look at the analogies of, of the sheep grazing, right? Of, of finding water, of finding rest. And this is what God leads us into. And so David here, David acknowledges himself as one of God, of God's sheep. And I think for us it's important to, to really think about that for a second. Because this isn't just the okay, yes, God's a shepherd and I'm a sheep, I understand that. But I believe that David had the heart where he really conformed to that picture. He conformed to that picture. That as a sheep, he understood that his shepherd was good and that it was from the shepherd's hand that he found all of his resource. It was from the shepherd's hand that he found all of his goodness and protection, and because of that, it was his heart's desire to follow and, and to be near the Lord. I think that's why the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart, right? And in fact, I think understanding that role, understanding that, that, that kind of picture of us being this weak, defenseless, kind of senseless sheep, you know, not just having a shepherd, but really needing a shepherd, needing a shepherd to be protected, to be led. Really, that became David's comfort. And that's what God wants for all of us tonight is to have that same comfort where our mind doesn't just know that, where, we, where it's not just something we can say to others, where, but that it's a reality that we can rest in and let it become our strength. Because of the fact that David knew who his God was, he knew that if he followed the Lord, if he stayed close, if he kept in order, he would want for nothing. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Verses 2 and 3, he says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And this, this next part, he restores my soul. You know, I'm sure we're pretty much all familiar with David's story. And David wasn't particularly a stranger to uh, being burdened, right? To being tired, to being afflicted. It's interesting, when you look at David's life, I kind of feel for the guy, even as a young, uh, as a young man, 
His parents didn't really want anything to do with him. His brothers didn't want anything to do with him. He was the one that was left out with the sheep, right? And out there tending the sheep, he had to kill a bear. He had to kill a lion, you know, which is pretty cool for David. But, you know, um, if I'm not particularly looking forward to having a job where I'm running the bear and lions every day. Even after that, as God leads him out, he goes and he kills Goliath single-handedly, right? Um, As he's called into the presence of Saul, Saul begins to hate and despise David, tries to kill David. David is is cast out into the outskirts of Israel, lives in a wilderness with basically like a, you know, band of bandits, which they weren't particularly bandits, but, you know, they had to move from place to place and flee from their own people, their own king. He was eventually adopted into another nation and then had to battle and war for them. And even when God restores him and, and gives him the throne of Israel, even then, what is his, his life marked by? But battles and wars and even having his own son revolt against him. So David knows, I think, knows how it feels to be overwhelmed and to be troubled. And in fact, when you read through the Psalms, it's kind of hard to read through and not see that. How many times he cries out for the Lord to deliver him and how many times he cries out in affliction. But in all of these things, he still knew that the Lord would lead him through those times. Many times he says in the Psalms, I will not be afraid because he knew that God was with him. And even as it looked like all things were failing before him, the Lord would protect him. And sure enough, God did. And so as we trust in the Lord, he does the same for us. The Lord creates places and he creates times of rest for us. And I love how this starts. You know, it He says in verse 2, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. You know, I was reading this and I was kind of thinking about my kids, right? And really any kids. Kids, they get excited and they want to go do all these things. A lot of times, it's funny, you know, how many kids, they'll come up to you and be like, oh my gosh, look at this, and they'll start showing you these things. And it's like, well, yeah, of course, scissors cut paper. Like, great, you know. But they're so excited. And, and what I think is so funny about these things is, you know, or, they, or they, they find some new toy and it does something special, and it's like, you've known about this since you were six. But to them, they're coming and they're showing you, and they're not just excited, they actually think that they're showing you something new, right? Because they think, well, I didn't know about this, so they don't either. And so there's this, there's this place where the kids, they really think they, they know something, right? They really think they know best, and as they get tired It's funny, even rather they're a baby or rather they're seven years old, the more tired they get, they start to get unruly, right? They start acting crazy. They start not thinking in the right mind. They start doing things they shouldn't do, and and they don't even realize it sometimes. And when you tell them, hey, it's time to to go rest, it's time to go take a nap, man, they don't want anything to do with it. They think, no, I'm good. They'll tell you, oh, they'll they'll be rubbing their eyes. No, I'm not tired. I'm not tired. You know, I just need to keep going forward. I need to keep pressing on. I need to keep doing what I'm doing. They don't even understand that they're falling apart. And so what does a good parent do? He takes them and he makes them 
right? The parent that gives them a place to rest, and they make them lay down. They may kick, kick and scream a little bit, but sure enough, five minutes later, what? They're out. They're out. And in due time, they wake up. They're well-rested. A lot of times, they can even be thankful, glad they had a nap. And they continue on, and they're restored, right? They have this restoration, this new energy. And it's so funny that a lot of times we can be like those children that we go and we go and we go as, as we go, we start to go on our own strength and, and the world comes against us and we get discouraged and, and we just got, we keep striving and we strive and we get burdened and suddenly we find that we're tired, right? We can, we can feel overwhelmed, we can feel stressed and so what do we do? We just, oh, well, I got to do it better. I got to do it this way, I got it. And we keep going until sooner or later by the grace of God, <laughs> Because God is a good shepherd, he's a good parent, he leads us in a place where he really gives us rest. And sometimes it's, it's a rest that we're not even looking for. It's a rest we didn't know we wanted, we didn't know we, we needed. And uh, at Reset, I was talking to uh, Randall and, and Hannah about this, that there was especially, um, was it last semester or this semester, there was a time where we were doing all these things and then suddenly it just seemed like there was nothing right? And there was nothing really going on. There wasn't really any, any fruit of the ministry. And um, we had to just realize, you know what? This is the season that God has put us in. And you know what? We are here together, and it's just us, but we are here to praise the Lord. And I believe that God is giving us a time of rest. Now, if you're someone like me, I don't particularly like to be busy nonstop all the time so that I can't see straight, but I'm used to it. And because I'm used to it, I am, I'm actually comfortable with that, you know? And I lose focus of, of the fact that I need that rest. But I'm thankful that God doesn't lose focus. God sees what's best for me right? And so he is the one that makes me lie down, and he lies me down in green pastures. He gives me abundance. He leads me beside still waters where I can drink, where I can take in. Even if really in my own power, I might have ended up going a different way. He is the one who leads me, and through this, he restores my soul. It says, going on in verse 3, that he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And this is another place where it does us good to really take a second and think about what he's saying here. Because there's two things. As God is leading us um, and trying to give us this rest, trying to restore us, you know, a lot of times when we're on, our, on this road walking with Christ, you know, when we're going through life, all we can see is what's here now. And think about this. If you were a shepherd and you had all these sheep following you, and you know, you know, down the, the road, across the valley and over the hill, there is this perfect pasture where they can eat all they want, where there's clean streams, where there's no predators, they'll be safe, they'll be comfortable, and they can rest there, and they can, they can have abundance, well, you begin to take them there, but sometimes the road is hard. The road is bumpy, it's rocky, it's uncomfortable, right? 
And as a sheep, all we see for a while, all we see is this road. And we wonder like, man, why am I here? Why am I going through this? Why am I having to stumble over all these things? Why is it, is it difficult? And we want to go to the left and we want to go to the right because we think, well, if we can just get out of this or maybe if we can go over here and all we can see is the road we're on, but the Lord, he sees the pasture. He knows where we are. He knows where we came from and he knows where we're going. And so we have to learn to trust in his leading. And you know, even Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29 says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. But there's this aspect of trust that we have to give to the Lord to understand that where we are, he is still in control. And we have to trust him with those times of, of going, of doing, of being, and of those times of resting. Because he has a purpose in all of those seasons. But we also have to understand that if you are his sheep, if the Lord is your shepherd, we're not the head. I'm not the head, right? He is the head. That means when we're in this congregation together, when we're part of God's flock, we have to remember that it's not our job to lead. It's not our job to make sure that our voice is heard, that our name is up, that people know who we are. It's not our job to try to make a way. It's His. It's for the shepherd to be the center of attention. It's for the shepherd to be exalted. And it's for us to point each other to the shepherd so we can all find the direction he's carrying us. And that all these things, even though God is good, and I, like I already said, God makes it really his intention and his desire to work for us. And he works all things together for our good. However, it's really not about us. We're not the only sheep in the flock. We're definitely not the most important sheep in the flock. And everything he does, he does because he's good, but he does it for his own name and glory. You know, it's, I, I was just thinking about this. Caden, um, he always wants me to go out and jump on the trampoline with him. And I do for a while, but soon enough, I tend to get frustrated with him. And I, I, I usually just get off, right? And one of the reasons I get frustrated is because he wants me to go jump, and then, of course, the other boys want to go jump. But the other, Joshi and Carter, they're pretty much content that I'm just there and we're all just jumping together, right? And they're content and they love it. And we can have a good time. But Caden really isn't so much interested in, in me being on the trampoline with him. That's not really his motivation. Really, his motivation is he wants to jump high. That's really the only reason he wants me on the trampoline is for him to experience a benefit because he knows that he can't jump high and go crazy without a big guy like me making him double bounce, right? And so I'm up there on the trampoline. And I'm trying to jump with everybody, right? Have a good time with all the kids. And here he is trying to jump on my feet and getting in my way. And I'm having to move around and finally just tell him, dude, go sit down. 
Go. You need to go over there. And, you need to sit. and then he's discouraged and he's upset because now he's sitting. You know? But people can be kind of like that, right? Well, they're in there in the flock and there's all these people and Christ is trying to grow us together and use us together. And here's this person trying to jump all up and down in his face and become a center of attention or, or, or to use, you know, Christ as a means for their own gain. But it's not really about us. Not on any step of the way. It's always about Jesus. It's always about his name being glorified. And anytime we take our eyes off of that, we become that sheep that starts to wander off. You know, sheep, they'll, they'll eat, and they'll just keep walking and eating, walking and eating, walking and eating, staring at the ground, thinking about what they're doing, wanting to get full. And suddenly, the flock is gone. They're out by themselves. They're vulnerable. Sheep will eat and walk themselves right off a cliff. How many times have you done that? Head down, not paying attention, and boom. You're in a pit. Crying out, Jesus, help me. And praise the Lord, he's willing to help. But if God is our shepherd, we have to remember where the title, where the focus, where the glory belongs. You know, truly we are sheep and we deserve that title, but it's not the fact that we are somehow this magical sheep that God holds in his, in his hand and gets the attention. Really, I think Isaiah says it best. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on Christ our iniquity. That's really where our description of sheep come in as ones who constantly, constantly go astray and need to be rescued. Verse 4, though, Yea, though I walk through the valley of death, or the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. If the Lord is your shepherd... If you are willing to, to take your place as a sheep and understand how desperately we need him, that comes with blessed promises. As a good shepherd, Jesus is going to rescue us. He's going to defend us. But he's also going to discipline us. You know, he says, you are with me in your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Well, you see, a shepherd would carry a rod and a staff for a couple of different reasons. For one, he'd have one with a, with a crook on the end, and he would use that because sheep, you know, they've got the thick coat and all that, and they'd get stuck. They would get stuck in branches and burrs and things, and they would use that crook, and they would have to reach in into this mess, and they'd have to grab that sheep and yank them back out and get them back into the herd. Many times they'd see sheep going off to stray and they'd have to come and they'd press it against them and they'd just lightly, they'd have to lightly tap them, you know, and get them to go back and, and, you know, get them right back on the track, keep them in the body. And they also had a rod. 
Now, the rod could be used for different reasons, but the most important thing was that as predators came, as the enemies of those sheep came into their life, the shepherd was there to defend them. David told King Saul, I killed a bear and a lion. Well, why? Because they were after the sheep. And we have to understand that we have very real enemies. Sometimes they're physical right before us, but many times they're not. We have an enemy that is unseen, and he's not just trying to, you know, put a pit in front of us where we, are, where we die or fall, you know, get into a car wreck. Sometimes he's just trying to put a temptation in front of you where you make that one choice and suddenly you're so far away from God you don't even know what his voice sounds like. Where suddenly you make that one mistake and it looks like your life is ruined. And there are things that when you look at them before you, there's no man with a red pitchfork standing there. But Satan is always after us. He comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. And Jesus is here to protect us from that, but we have to be willing to follow him. We have to be willing to hear his voice. And finally, sometimes it's for discipline. Right? If sheep are getting unruly, sometimes you've got to put them in place. In fact, shepherds, if, if a sheep would, co- would consistently go out of the flock and they consistently go their own way and they consistently end up lost, you know, you've probably heard this before, right? People talk about it all the time. You know what a shepherd would do? A shepherd would go and he would break the sheep's leg. He'd break their leg, make sure they didn't wander anymore. And he'd take that sheep and he'd carry that sheep on his shoulders. And he'd carry that sheep around while the leg was healing. But also while the leg was healing, and as he was speaking, that sheep was so close to the shepherd in their brokenness that suddenly they could hear their voice clearly. So that by the time they were restored and they were able to walk on their own again, they knew the shepherd's voice. And when he called, the sheep followed. Don't make the Lord break your leg. (laughs) But if he does, have confidence that he does it for your good. You see, it's God's desire and his ability, his power to defend us and to correct us that gave David comfort and that really should be comfort for us. When he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me, we should have a trust to know that God's Love and correction is for our good. And if we can believe that, if we can trust in that, we don't have to fear man. We don't have to fear circumstances. We don't have to fear anything other than the Lord himself, but we also can love and pursue his correction. You know, I think a lot of people are are willing to... um, understand and admit that yes the lord corrects us and sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's hard and yes i need to be corrected but i what i don't see as often are men and women who are pursuing pursuing the lord to correct them where they have a heart that day by day they are mourning over themselves and they are crying out lord help me 
Lord, correct me. Lord, don't let me speak wrong, and anything I've spoken wrong, please change my heart. When we begin to understand that the Lord's discipline for us is really our safety and a blessing, and we can pursue that, that is where peace appears in our life, and all of the fears and everything associated with this world, suddenly they start to fall away. Now, these last couple of verses, verse 5 and 6, it's kind of interesting. Because so far, David has been talking about his relationship with the Lord um, through this idea of shepherding, right? Through sheep. So I'm going to read through it real quick. It's just only a couple verses again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then suddenly, right in the middle of the psalm, he switches. And he goes from talking about sheep and and this good shepherd that provides, that protects, that guides, and he begins to talk about a table, about anointing. And so in verses 5 and 6, he says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we take this shift from being sheep, which truly we are, and suddenly he starts to paint this picture of welcome. Because the Lord doesn't simply look at us like sheep, right? If we, if we spend too much time talking like that, we get this kind of sense that, man, we're just these dirty, no good animals out here in a field, you know? Which, hey, well, hey this, it is what it is. But God sees us as much more than that. Jesus doesn't just call us servants. You know what he calls us? He calls us friends. And so David shifts the picture now, and he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine coming up, and here are these men with swords, right, wanting to take your life, and they're coming after you to kill you, and then suddenly someone steps out in front of them. So awesome that they stop in fear, and they simply set up a table for you, They prepare your food. And all these men who are pursuing your life, suddenly you're sitting, you're eating, you're at peace. While all your enemies look on, and what can they do? They can't do anything. It's kind of hard to even really think about that, right? But that is who our God is to us. He is one who in the midst of trials, in the midst of struggles, in the midst of our enemy, can prepare blessing, and rest for us. Even as they're looking upon us, he can set the scene still and deliver us right in the midst. And for those who trust in the Lord, God is willing and able to show his might and show of strength to give blessing and abundance, even in the hardest times. And as he talks about oil, 
You know, I talk a lot in the Bible school about oil as a representation of the Holy Spirit, but also in the Hebrew culture, if someone is, uh, for, for me to anoint someone's head, you know, that oil is a picture of rejoicing. It resembles a welcome into my home as a favored guest. And so David is saying, look, my God, he's so good to me that even in the presence of my enemies, he prepares a banquet. And even though I'm one of these dirty sheep and I go astray and he has to correct me and he has to lead me, I can't do it on myself, the Lord welcomes me. He anoints me and he rejoices over me because that is who our God is and that is how he looks upon his people with joy and acceptance. He doesn't just keep us out in the field. He invites us into the house and establishes us, uh, uh, establishes a, a relationship with us. And finally, it says, my cup runs over. When the Lord is pleased with us, he begins to pour into us, and he doesn't just give us a little bit. He pours out, and he pours out, and he pours out until we overflow. And we have that opportunity to overflow the goodness and the love of God even onto others. You know, and there's, um, there's this picture that I heard. I've, you know, I haven't done the research myself on this, but I'm going to repeat it. I, I've, uh, I'm sure it's accurate that in the Hebrew culture, when people came into the house, right, they would serve a little bit of wine. And if they were really pleased with somebody, they would serve a, a full glass of wine. But if they really, really, you know, liked somebody, if they really wanted to show respect or, or acceptance to a person, if they wanted to show honor to a person, they would pour wine into their cup until it overflowed. And it was a, it was a symbol of of um, that favor that they had for this person. And that is what God gives to his people. He's not just saying, you know what, I'll, you know, yeah, okay, you're thirsty, here's a drop of water. He says, no, if you open up to me, if you trust me, I'm gonna pour out and I'm gonna show you my favor even until you overflow. And we've been telling for years now just the testimony of how God has been gracious and merciful to us, even that in our weakness and in our inability, as our finances have gone down, as, our, uh, as my ability as a man to say, look what I have done or look what I have earned or look what I have made, as that has dropped and diminished to really nothing, the more that has gone down, the more the Lord has given us. And the more we've had and the more we've been able to give to others. pretty interesting. You know, I'm a friend of God. I believe that, and I say, it, I say it confidently. I am his sheep, and the Lord is my shepherd. He has welcomed me into his house, and everyone willing to believe on the name of Jesus Christ and to receive his salvation, he welcomes into his house. And as the people of God, it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. Has he been yours? You know, as we keep our eyes on Jesus, 
the more we look to him, the more we realize how dependent we are. And even in the areas where we, we, we know seemingly where to go and how to do it, when we acknowledge to the Lord our weakness, he provides and he empowers and he encourages. But when we begin to go our own way, when we step out of the gathering of the body, or when we try to be that center focus or that lead rather than letting Jesus lead us together, it's very easy for us to end up a lost sheep all over again. So rather you need Jesus to bring you home tonight or if you just need to be encouraged to keep your eyes truly on him. Like Jason said, how do we, how do we be in that place where what, completely what we're seeking is you? I pray that this message has encouraged you. And I just want to pray together now and ask the Lord to open up our hearts and minds and to, to help us realize how much we really need his guidance. Father God, we thank you for this night, Lord. We thank you for your word. And Father, I'm so thankful that you took it upon yourself to be our shepherd. And Lord, I just want to stand here um, as one to admit my weakness before you, Father God. Lord, I don't know what tomorrow brings. I don't know how to make my dreams come true. I don't know a secret formula to make peace rest over my life or, or to keep my family free from turmoil, Lord. I don't know, rather, in a month I need to turn left or right, but Father, I believe you do, and I pray that you would first forgive me, Lord, for any and all the ways that I followed my own desires, for all the times that I wanted to take the lead when I should have simply put my eyes on following you. And Lord, I pray for all of us that we would have a heart and a mind to surrender and to realize whatever we think we have, whoever we think we are, we're still a sheep in need of a shepherd. And so Lord, be that for us tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.